The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Partnerships, Changing the Game for Digital Transformation, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to transform industries. And importantly, they will discuss how these technologies and strategies can shake up the status quo in your company's future and help your organization move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you want to run with the Game Changers, you are in the right place. We always say that. We always mean it. And we're sticking by it. It is true. So let's see what the buzz on the street is today. Oh, my. I found a quote from a writer named Karia Ramthan. This is from May 19th, 2017. Here we are. Boy, back a century there. Uh, In an interview in C. NBC.com. And let me read it. She's quoting somebody. You'll get the point. So the buzz is when you talk to brick and mortar retailers, they're really very much stuck in what they used to do. So there isn't much technology being used in the retail scenario. And this is a quote from Kenny Yeo, YEO, Senior Industry Analyst at Frost & Sullivan. And he was speaking on a CNBC TV program called The Rundown on Friday. This was May 19th. So what are we talking about here? Many brick-and-mortar retailers today are caught in what we are going to refer to on the show as an application-centric environment. What does this mean? Their data is created by applications residing where centralized platforms. So they're kind of trapped. How can a physical store operator, anybody who runs a real, we're talking brick and mortar where you walk in a storefront, how can they get out of this data prison? The goal is they need to get onto a level playing field with the companies that are doing primarily or also e-commerce. They need to close the gap between their online capabilities and their offline capabilities. How is this all going to happen? Oh, come on. You know where we're going with this. Digital transformation. What is it going to do for them? It's going to create a distributed network with data that is free-flowing. It's going to give retailers tools, tech tools, compelling tools that are already being used by their competitors, like IoT, that's the Internet of Things. Think about sensors and AI, that's artificial intelligence. And think about cognitive computing. Think about machine learning. Why do they need this? Two reasons. They need to innovate and they need to compete. The ultimate goal is survival. So our topic today, which we think is very compelling, is retail digital transformation, freedom of choice for stores and for shoppers. So whether you're in the retail industry whatever you're selling, or if you're just a shopper, come on, everybody buys something from somewhere. This is really an important topic. Let me tell you who my two special guests are today, and then we will get started with their quotes. First up, in just a minute, 
I'll be introducing you to Sergey Garlov. He's the president and CEO of Petrosoft, and he will tell us in a little while what his company does. And joining him on the panel is Camilla Dahlin. She's the head of ISV Cloud and Platform Partnerships for North America at SAP, and I had the distinctive pleasure of meeting and speaking with Camilla at our recent Sapphire Now in Orlando, Florida, a couple of months ago. We did an interview, and it was great. So let me turn around to the other side of the table to Sergey Garlov. And Sergey has sent us a quote, very familiar quote. We're going to find out what it means in the context of today's topic. It's supposed to come from Darwin, but actually it was stated by Professor Leon C. Meganson, who was referring to and paraphrasing Darwin's origin of the species. Let me just read you the quote. It is not the strongest of the species that survives, nor the most intelligent that survives. It is the one that is most adaptable to change. Sergey Gorloff, welcome to Game Changers. How are you, Sergey? I'm great, thank you. Thank you for joining us. Talk to me about the quote. I think it's one of the most famous quotes when the word change comes up. This is the one that everybody hangs their hat on. So tell me how you picked that for our topic today. Sergey, go ahead. Yeah, I love this quote because uh, this is what actually, uh, you, you know, help us all to uh, to get better, to adapt to a uh, new a new change in uh, world. And uh, like you mentioned, um, uh, our concern is that uh, most of the brick and mortar operations are still existing in this application-centric environment. And and we used to that um, data is created by an application which resides on on, on uh, some kind of platform. And um, these platforms, they are focused on features, and they leave res- uh, responsibility of data integration to user. And that lack of free-flowing data constrains the user, slowing down the innovations, and blocks the ability to rapidly respond to these new challenges. Uh, we need to have a new model. Uh, the platform which provides ability to respond rapidly to constant changes in the envir- environment and innovate new business models with the ability to implement rapidly and scale it on demand. Because we know that um, how this uh, world is changing, different loyalty programs, different innovations, but there's a huge gap between what we see on a slide deck and what we see in real uh, brick and mortar, mortar operations. Mm-hmm. Because, that, because all these new things are very hard to implement. There are no platform would, would prov- which would provide, uh, you, you know, ability to implement rapidly and uh, scalability. So we need a platform which would serve us as a common data market exchange and provide access to on-demand services and on-demand data. Uh, and guess what? Um, it already exists. It's called the Internet. The Internet <laughs> is a data-centric environment. And so that's why e-commerce and business on the Internet much more rapidly com- uh, grow and much more rapidly compared to brick-and-mortar operations. They are already using that data-centric model. Um, they already have collecting this information. They already live in digital universe. That helps them a lot. So what do we do to help brick-and-mortars to compete? Well, IoT... Cognitive computing and machine learning can help the offline environment to transform. The amount of data generation will demand for new type of applications, which would not necessarily be practical to own or provide by mm-hmm. one organization. 
they may be too huge or, or, or complicated or complex. So I see digital transformation as the transformation of application-centric system into data-centric platforms. Thank and you very much, Sergey. I, I was going to say that's a, gr- a great introduction to our topic. So my question to you is, uh, I don't want to jump to the end of the show when we do our crystal ball predictions round, but just a little peek into your perspective on this before I bring on Camilla Dahlin. D- do you think that this is a dire situation, a do or die? Do or die, are we talking simply to the brick-and-mortar retailers who don't have e-commerce, who are not embracing Internet, as you say, the solution's there, it's the Internet, duh. Uh, is this something that if they don't do it, they're going to face, I won't say sudden death, but certainly they will be outpaced, outcompeted, and, and outgamed by anybody, any retailer that understands uh, the Internet and understands the need for e-commerce? Quickly, what's your thought on that? Is this, a, is this a, an OMG, you got to do it now or you won't be here in five years? years kind of a message? It's a matter of survival. It's not a matter of choice. Digital transformation is the matter of survival. Thank you. That's that's what I wanted to convey to our listeners. So if you are a retailer, you know what they really need to listen to. Thank you, Sergey. Great introduction, and we are so pleased to have you on the show. And now I'm going to introduce Camila Dahlin, and Camila has sent us a quote, also a wonderful quote, from Stephen Covey. Anybody saying, gee, I know who that is, but I'm not sure. Stephen Covey, 1932 to 2012, he was an American educator, author, businessman, and keynote speaker. You may have read his book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. That's one of his books, the best known. It has sold so far over 25 million copies worldwide since it was published back in 1989. That's the last millennium. The audio version became the first nonfiction audio book in U.S. publishing history to sell more than one million copies. Very interesting. Here is the quote Camilla has selected. Strength lies in differences, not in similarities. Camila Dahlin, such a pleasure to have you on. Have you been since we met at Sapphire? Everything good? Everything's great. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be on. Thank you. Talk to me about this quote. Are you a big follower? How many times have you read The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People? Tell me the truth. Yeah, as you were reading about it, I was thinking about that. I wonder how many times I read it. It's actually one of the first uh, sort of business books that I ever read, and I loved it. And I've read it many times, and I've bought it for many people. So uh, it's great, as as good today as it was then. Um, and I love this quote because one of the things that's near and dear to me and that's very important to me is diversity. And this really talks to that. And I think it's so critical in today's global world to uh, incorporate diversity into the innovation cycle. And we'll talk a little bit about that during this hour, I, I believe. And part of that is just the, the inherent and the acquired diversity that we all bring to the table based on who we are and our experiences. And that leads to innovation by creating this out-of-the-box thinking, but also diversity in opinion. Um, great ideas mm-hmm. become excellent ideas when they're challenged and other people's perspectives and ideas um, you know, are also heard and incorporated into that. Um, and then finally, we're talking about technology today, and it applies there also. The interoperability and hybrid models illustrate that same point, that it's not all one solution. Um, a great solution in the digital transformation world can be comprised of data sources and uh, competitive products all in one. 
Thank you, Camila. I'm going to pose the same question to you that I just did to Sergey. Is this a do or die, dire situation? He said it's a matter of survival for retailers who are simply stuck in the brick and mortar world. What do you see? How how important is it that they listen up and and listen to you and Sergey today? Yeah, it's critical. I fully agree with what Sergey said. Digital transformation is the new black. So it's really it's not a, a question of you know should you. It's a question of how fast. Uh, can you actually transform your business? Okay. Do you do you think this is breaking news, Camila? Is this something that retailers might be hearing the show today and saying, well, I heard it somewhere. I read it somewhere. They're saying, yeah, you think this is news? I'm already on it. Or do you think they're saying, nope, not going to go there? Nah, it's all newfangled. You know, it's it's something for the, the millennials in business to do. I'm talking about more established retailers. What do you think the attitude is? I think everybody's read about it, and um, I think everybody's thinking about it. The difference and the question is how important do they think it is? How do they rank it in terms of um, you know strategic objectives? We still see some that see globalization or you know things competitive pressures as being more important than digital transformation. So it's, it's just a matter of where it ranks on their radar. Okay, well, we're going to help bring it up a little higher on the radar. Thank you very much, Camila. Now we're going to get a little personal, up close and personal with both of our panelists, Sergey Gorloff. I'd like to know where you're calling from, what part of the world in general, not the Google, Google map coordinates of, of the roof of your house or your office. And we'd love to know, what do you enjoy drinking that really makes you feel powerful and happy? What makes you smile? Sergey, talk to me. Uh, I'm, I'm in uh, Pittsburgh, um, in, um, in our office in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and I'm drinking green tea. And, uh, you know, uh, sometimes it uh, makes me happy, sometimes it's not. Really not dependent on what I'm drinking and more dependent on what I'm doing <laughs> while I'm drinking. So, But um, it's green tea for today. Very interesting. Do you put anything in the green tea? Do you put any milk or sugar or, or what do you do? Do you treat it anyway? Mint. I put some mint in it. Mint. Ooh, I like that. I like mint tea. Thank you. I knew I liked you, Sergey. Thank you very much. And now, Camila Dahlin, where are you calling from? And what makes you happy in your cup, Camila, today or any other day? So I'm calling in from Connecticut, and I just finished my second organic vegan protein superfood berry smoothie. <laughs> and I am getting healthier and smarter by the minute or so. <laughs> <I'm told. laughs> I love that. That's uh, that's a, a very astute comment, and, and just by saying it, you've proved that it's true, Camila. So you you've already already established that. Uh, if you in case you're wondering what I'm drinking, they do not let me anywhere near caffeine on radio show days. And today is a doubleheader. Just finished the show one hour ago, so all I'm allowed to have, Camila, all SAP lets me have is water on radio show days. So I have a cool clear mug with cool clear water from a Brita filter. That's as sexy as it gets. And I have a hot pink straw because I think it's going to be another beautiful summer day here in New York. But you know what I'd rather be drinking, and I will later, is a cup of, uh, let's see, I have a Nespresso, a red Nespresso to match my red kitchen. I don't have a red car, but I have red hair. And I have a a decaf uh, something. It's a decaf. I forget which which, uh, label it is from Nespresso, but it's an espresso that is decaf, and it's very, very dark. It's a number seven on the scale of 10. And I put a little milk in it and, and he 
heat it up after it comes out of the machine with the milk in it, and it's just divine. So I will treat myself to one of those later. We're talking today with Sergey Gorlov at Petrosoft and Camila Dolan at SAP. Sergey, we're about to go on break, but I want to make sure our listeners know what Petrosoft does. How long has the company been around, and what part of the business are you in? Talk to me, Sergey, for just a couple minutes. Oh, Petrosoft is the uh, end-to-end. Um, um, it's a technology company which provides end-to-end automation to the retail uh, and uh, petroleum down downstream petroleum markets. And uh, we've been in business for 17 years. Uh, we started as a um, uh, small solution for our own um, uh, line of business. We own and operate 24 convenience stores uh, mm-hmm. since 1998. And uh, this solution was um, designed as a necessity, and it became the, the based on cloud. And now we utilize an IoT and cloud services, um, and providing uh, these services to our customers. Thank you very much. Nice to have you on. And Camila, why don't you just catch us up? What do you do at SAP? I met you at at uh, Sapphire, as I said, but I think our listeners would like to know a little bit about your role. What what are you focusing on? Sure. I'm responsible for the ISV partnership program at SAP for North America. So we work with ISVs in all industries to help them go to market more efficiently and effectively, leveraging some of SAP's technology. Thank you very much. And now we are going to take our quick break. You're listening to Partnerships Changing the Game for Digital Transformation. We're focusing on transformation in the retail space today. Freedom of choice for stores and shoppers. Let's unleash that data from application-specific environment. Let's get it out there so retailers can survive. Brick and mortar, this is a warning call to you. you got to step it up. It's time for digital transformation. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. We're going to take a quick break. So don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial however you're listening just stick around 90 seconds we'll be right back kevin out we're making it easier to listen to the voice america talk radio network live wherever you go on iphone blackberry or android download it from the apple itunes app store blackberry app world or android market the digital world is moving faster than ever and the future will be defined by how quickly business leaders adapt to accelerated ongoing change The definition of future success is being shaped by many factors, such as more digitally demanding employees, customers, and partners, an increasing variety of digital devices, resource scarcity coupled with data abundance, and demand for innovation to help the world run better and improve people's lives. Join our experts as they analyze and discuss how moving to the digital world can lead to a better future for everyone. Partnerships, changing the game for digital transformation is presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. You're listening to Partnerships, Changing the Game for Digital Transformation, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. 
Now, let's get back to Partnerships, changing the game for digital transformation. Indeed we are. The topic today is retail, digital transformation, freedom of choice for stores and shoppers. Our special guests are Sergey Garloff at Petrosoft. He is the president and CEO, and Camila Dahlin at SAP. She is head of ISV, Cloud and Platform Partnerships for North America. Let's start our roundtable here. Here's what Sergey told me in his notes before the show. Digital platforms promote freedom of choice. Let me read one more line here, Sergey. Availability of competing applications and services is the main attribute of true digital platform. Sergey, please tell us more. Yeah, um, you know, I came to this country uh, 26 years ago, and I came to the United States because I think it's the greatest country in the world. And uh, I think the freedom is the, um, the biggest value and the most important value which uh, this country provides to, to its people. And um, uh, that's why freedom of choice was always very important uh, for me and for our company. We want to provide freedom of choice uh, to, the, to customers. And that's why we adopted cloud uh, 15 years ago, and that's why we are uh, thinking and looking into um, new ways of providing freedom of choice to customers. And, and, uh, and um, like you said, availability of competing applications and services, it's the main attribute of um, having uh, freedom of choice for our customers. True digital data platform must provide users with the way to process their data by application of choice. Because right now, this is not what's happening. Right now, if you stuck with some kind of platform, you have to use these applications, and like it or not, you pretty much stick with it. And, and it slows down the innovation and implementation process for, for, that, for those yeah, innovations. And uh, so through data platform promote freedom of choice, Free enterprise, which by definition creates unparalleled abilities to adapt to the constantly changing environment. And the ability to use competing uh, applications is based on uh, common standards for the data. We need to be able to process data without any <clears throat> dependencies of where this data was coming from. So normalization of data and data platforms is, the, is very important. And um, um, the, everywhere people say data is a commodity, data is the new gold. It's not gold yet. It's because it's not tradable. It will be traded when marketplace will be created. Uh, then uh, supply and demand will be able to meet in some common, uh, in some common space. So data is not a commodity yet, but it will uh, become uh, as these uh, new data uh, platforms evolving. Thank you very much. Very provocative. Camille, I'd love to get your thoughts on this. Do you agree? Data is not yet the new gold. It's not a commodity yet. And anything else Sergey shared? What do you think, Camila? Well, first of all, I would say that um, it's an interesting time right now because the customer is really at the center of everything. And I think as we talk about digital transformation, um, and we'll talk about this more, is that the customer experience is at the center of, of everything. So um, proprietary, what Surya was saying, is really a thing of the past. We're seeing a, a much greater openness and interoperability between uh, systems and applications, which, again, puts the customer in center, and it, focus, it forces vendors to focus on um, what they do best 
and cooperating with others and establishing partnerships, which is, um, again, part of, part of what I do. Um, in the SaaS world as well, what we're seeing is vendors are held accountable, uh, much more so than they were in the past. If they don't keep up, if they don't deliver more relevant features and functionalities, their customers are just going to move to another solution. So this freedom of choice allows customers, the end users, consumers, to establish multiple relationships instead of just one vendor being, you know, everything. And this whole one throw to choke, we're, we're hearing less of that as well and, and more openness, which provides opportunity for partners to create and fulfill um, contractual obligations, which is great. On the whole, on the data point, um, no, I, it's not... It's not uh, a commodity yet, and it's not, it doesn't hold at that much value um, in itself. It's what you actually do with the data. So it's the ability to effectively analyze the data. This is where artificial intelligence comes into play to analyze and identify patterns and trends and all those things, and then allow humans to tap the opportunity to innovate based on, the, on that analysis of that data. Thank you, Camila. I, I'm going to go back to Sergey. Sergey, anything you want to add about what Camila just shared before I move to some notes from her list? Yeah, I think partnership is the key word. You know, the, the partnership, uh, the, today's software vendors sh- should um, promote part- partnership to provide better uh, and, um, you, you know, provide better services to the customer. Uh, I think it's um, very important. And these platforms, this is what should put us in free enterprise, competitive environment, and let us compete for the customer, uh, let us compete for the customers every day, not just through the sales process. Thank you very much both. Camila, I have some interesting statistics here in your notes. You say digital transformation is driving new business models in the partner community. Let me read this and then ask you to how it relates to our topic about retail digital transformation. You say 72% of CEOs see the next three years as more critical than the past 50 years for their industries at the epicenter, and you just mentioned this a minute ago, at the epicenter of this change is the customer experience which redefines every company's business model and how they deliver value. So let's focus on brick-and-mortar retailers. Are they stuck in in the mud somewhere? Did they see this? Uh, Are they on board yet? Are they getting on board slowly or fast enough? Camila? Well, I think that they are, um, some are on board and some are actually innovating in that space. For example, one example in retail that I like a lot is Sephora. Um, so they're using digital transformation, digital technologies in their store to enhance their customer, the customer experience and to provide information and other ways for their customers to interact with their brand and all the things that they offer and sell. Uh, but another thing that they do really well, which is interesting, and this all ties into culture and organization as well, it's not all about technology. It's about the culture that you foster and grow in your organization. And they've combined and merged their traditional marketing team with their digital marketing team, and they all report up to the same chief digital officer. So that really mm. removes a lot of... Um, conflict that you might otherwise see with a legacy team and a new team. Um, And it also sends a message internally to everybody, all the employees, that this is really, really important for us. So we do see some innovation in uh, the retail space. 
Very interesting. Camilla, I was uh, intrigued by you mentioned that their marketing and other teams are all reporting to the chief digital officer. Is this a relatively new position in the C-suite in retailers? Are we seeing this in other industries? What's your, what's your observation on this? Yeah, we're seeing that in a few different industries. Um, and the power, I guess, and the seniority of that role varies. So in some organizations, it's very important. And they have a whole team that reports to them and functions and execution and plans and things like that. And in other companies, it's more of um, a business development type of function, somebody that looks at those things, provides recommendations, et cetera. So it, it, it's got different values in different organizations. So we do see it across the board. Very interesting. I like that. We got I think we need to put more chairs around the table in the C-suite in a lot of these companies. Or else, Camilla, are other, other C-suite people getting either renamed or are they getting asked to not show up at the meetings? <laughs> Just, what's your observation <laughs> about that? <laughs> no, I, I don't think so. I think it's, I think it's more of renamed, refocused, um, you know, other priorities, other KPIs, uh, and things like that. So the... Uh, but I, but I also want to talk about, when, we, when we, we talk about this new digital transformation driving new business models in, in our partner community, um, we're seeing new technologies actually be a driver for that as well. So one of it is all centered around customer experience, but digital transformation is what enables that customer experience to change. And what's interesting is, is not only in the products that are actually offered, the solutions that are offered to the, to the customers, but... Some of the innovation that new technology enables is process-oriented or focused on customer satisfaction. Like, for example, companies are becoming, and this could pertain to retail as well, are becoming really skilled at delivery and at the supply chain. So using real-time and historical data to manage delivery time is a way to innovate and ultimately makes the customer more um, satisfied. Also, predictive analytics is something that's available now as well. So before a customer complains of something being down, broken, or anything like that, proactively uh, sending somebody out or providing a solution to that customer is a way of innovating and improving that customer experience without actually changing the product. Thank you, Camila. Sergey, love to get your thoughts on this topic from Camila. What do you think? Um, what's interesting um, in uh, what Camila said, that, uh, she mentioned that the technology is changing, is actually changing. When you change technology, the, your organization model is changing as well. So we did experience that, and that's, uh, it was uh, really amazing to see how um, we went through the transformation. We went from application-centric environment into, the, into building the data-centric platform based on uh, based on a new type of architecture, and, and implementing that technology, actually, I, I saw how it's changing the you know culture and um, our um, uh, business model, and um, uh, and the ch- we're changing our organization. It's just interesting to see how technology, uh, you, you know, the, affects all aspects uh, of our life. And on, on example of what can be done in the in, in the bricks and mortar mortar environment today with today's technology, I I want to give um, I want to talk about one example how personalizations of offerings and services can be done because, uh, in, in moment I mean right on the fly 
Because Sergey, I have to tell you that that was exactly the topic I was going to go to next in your list you sent me. So go right ahead. You're, you're, you read my mind. Please go ahead. Oh, great. Thanks, Bonnie. So, so what, what I'm saying is we, we pretty much used to when we buy, in the, this is what I call digital universe. There's two universes now existing digital. It's online. You're on Amazon and you're buying something. You got suggestions. Uh, and you're used to it. You don't even notice it, but you use it all the time. And mm-hmm. uh, on opposite, when you come to bricks and mortar, there is nothing like that still exists. However, technology is already there. Biometric technology, which aimed at making transactions more secure, gaining ground. Such biometric technologies include it can be iris scan as well as finger, not fingerprints. You're not going to fingerprint your customers, but they exist. <laughs> but Thank goodness. Hopefully, hopefully not. Yeah. But voice and, uh, and face recognition is already there. You know, and as biometric technology is evolving, biometric identifiers of sales transactions will replace standard forms of ID. And first of all, the retailers will be able on the fly uh, offer in moment. This is what we call. They, they will be able to do in moment offerings to their customers. As customer approaches the cash registers and uh, you get his biometric or her biometric, you will be able to um, personalize the, your offerings. But but not only that, um, offer personalization in this case will be done based on shoppers' behavior in this particular environment. So to let the, to personalize your offers, you don't have to, you won't, the retailers won't have to get the knowledge of shoppers' personal information. So the, lots of people are afraid of new technologies with biometric, identif- um, uh, biometric, um, biometric technologies and so on. But, but in reality, biometric technology will make our life safer because it will replace uh, you know, other uh, ways of identification, like a, you know, like a common base of identification. So that, that's an example, and that can be implemented and implemented. People, organizations are implementing this technology already, So, and I just wanted to use it as an example of how bricks and mortar can catch up with the digital universe. I love the example. It's a little bit scary, um, but it also would be so nice. I'm going to get Camille away on this, but I'm thinking out loud here, obviously, that it would be a little bit scary to walk into a store uh, where I had been maybe, let's use Sephora as an example, Camille, you just gave that, where I haven't been in one of their brick-and-mortar stores in about three years. But let's say I walk in and they say, Oh, Bonnie, it's so nice to see you back again. You haven't been here in three years, two months, 14 days, 12 hours, and nine minutes. What can we do for you today? Camila, should I be scared or should I say, wow, they love me, and now I'm going to spend a lot of money here. What's your point of view, Camila? <laughs> yeah, it's a fine line, right? So, oh, yeah. Uh, we want, yeah, we want that experience to be good, and we want everything to be relevant, but we don't want to be intruding on privacy. I think it's all about context. Um, all information about a consumer is not necessary and it's probably too much. It's the information that's contextual to the current experience. So when you're walking in that store at that point in time, it's all information around that that's important. Um, and then map to whatever promotions or whatever activities or information that particular store has available for you at that time. Um, the challenge is, uh, besides privacy, et cetera, is intent. You know, it's important to have the contextual information, provide a contextual experience, and try to calculate, understand, analyze, predict intent. So in this case, purchase intent. You know, why are you in there? 
and what, you know, do you think, what would you do? Um, sometimes, you know, if you're walking into another store, biometric information won't understand if you want vitamin water because you're into health or because, you know, you should be into health or because you're on your way over to your friend who's really into health. So those are other challenges that where predictive analytics comes into play as well. Very interesting. Sergey, how do you feel about that privacy issue? You may not be going into Sephora, but you might be going into, I don't know, a, a, a sports sporting goods store. What, what would you think if they greeted you with the message that I just used as my example? Would you be happy or would you say, yes, that's a really smart retailer and I want to be their loyal customer from now on? What would your personal POV be? Uh, hard to say. It's hard. It's hard to say. But let me tell you something. That uh, this biometric technology, which the an example which I use, doesn't have to know your name. That, that's mm-hmm. the thing. Biometric technology can give us information about your gender, about your age, and the, and this is why we were thinking and implementing data centric, uh, data centric platforms because. When we have this information now, we need to know what to do with this information. And I don't think in the future, or even now, any single organization will be able to handle this huge amount of data. And not only this, maybe it will be able to handle it. But then you need enrichment services, right? Because if I see, you know, uh, is biometrics is telling me that uh, female, 22 years old, is approaching... Uh, uh, cash register at a convenience store, let's say, at 8 o'clock in the morning, I need to know what to offer to this female 22 years old, you know, and um, to get this information, what, what, what do we like? What do we like in this particular um, city? What do we like at this particular time? I need enrichment services from other companies. I need somebody to enrich my transaction. You will say, Sergey, give us an example. I can give you an example. The stores, retailers, they got SKUs, right? They got uh, mm-hmm. items. But it can be enriched with, let's say, nutritional information. So now, which I never had, but I can ask on data-centric platform, I can ask these data enrichment providers, give me for the information for the records which I already have. Can you provide me with nutrition information? And using this nutrition information, I can come up with... Uh, you know, dietary suggestions, I can see that this person, and I don't know her name, and I don't need to know her name. All I need to know is a digital ID or token, but now I know the behavior of that digital token, and with the data service providers who enriches this data and can provide on-demand analytics, I can offer to this person personalized, <clears throat> personalized offering without knowing their name. So it's actually biometric technology will actually enforce privacy, not invade privacy. I like, I feel better already. Thank you very much, Sergey. And now let's talk about intelligent applications for the digital world. Camila, I'm looking at your list of notes here. and Very interesting. Let's talk about how this will alleviate some of the monotony and the burden of workers in the retail world at any level. I'm just going to read a little bit from your notes. You say intelligent applications take the monotony out of everyday tasks freeing the individual to create, having more time to, to, to train that creative muscle will lead to greater innovation. A new class of analytic solutions can transform and automate tasks. And you also sent me in this part of your, your pre-show notes, Camilla, 
uh, the results of a SpiceWorks survey of IT professionals. Can you can you give us a little background on that and how this relates to our digital transformation for retailers, please? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we're seeing an increasing trend in intelligent applications, uh, machine learning, cognitive computing, artificial intelligence, all those things, particularly in analytics. And the SpiceWorks survey that you referenced talks about the fact that 8% of companies are today using artificial intelligence for business analytics, and that is expected to grow to 69% by 2022, which is a huge increase. Um, likewise, 8% are using artificial intelligence for machine learning, and that's supposed to be growing as well to 53% by 2022. So a lot of companies are looking at this and not only looking at what they need and how they can leverage it, but technology companies, software vendors are looking at how do we incorporate uh, this types of in- type of intelligence in our solutions for our customers. And I think it's important to note that, you know, there's a lot of talk about jobs that will be eliminated, but I also think a whole lot of new jobs will be created. And the types of jobs that will be eliminated are mostly monotonous jobs and ones that don't require a whole lot of innovation or creative thought. So I think we'll see more opportunity and more expectation of creativity and innovation in the future with more and more of these types of applications available. Um, And then look at things like Internet of Things, IoT. We talked about that before. There's an increasing amount of intelligence in devices, and there's an enormous amount of data. And that can't all be done with the kinds of solutions we have today. But collecting the data, sorting through it, requires a certain amount of speed and intelligence in the analytics application that then allows humans to innovate based on that data. So um, it's also tied to diversity. So these are two subjects closely related. And from a diversity perspective, intelligent applications also help screen and foster and um, bring on board more diverse people in the innovation cycle. Camilla, do you think that will help retailers, especially the brick and mortar we're focusing on in our topic today with you and Sergey at Petrosoft? Think that that innovation will be welcome? Uh, do you think that will bring new energy and, and free people who've been working for many years and are used to the status quo? Yes, we're a brick and mortar. Yes, people walk in the store. Maybe not so many as used to. Uh, do you think that will give them ideas to funnel back up to management to say, hey, how about we do this, that, or the other? Because now we don't have to do those repetitive tasks. In other words, I'm saying, will will that freeing up work within the retail environment to give them that competitive boost? What do you project? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the more access to data they have and analysis they have, the more innovative they can be. And the greater the experience for the customer, which, again, is what it's all about, Mm -hmm. uh, they can create. So, absolutely. Okay, Sergey, I'd love to get your thoughts on this interesting statistics from the SpiceWorks survey that Camila quoted. What do you what do you think about freeing up mundane tasks in the retail world for more innovation and more focus on customer experience, Sergey? Yeah, yeah. What, what still surprises me that um, the the applications which are designed um, for retail or for any other actual practical use are still. Um, still requires some kind of expertise to use them, uh, you know. And I'm traveling a lot lately, and I'm going to different, um, you know, conventions, and I'm looking at the new 
uh, applications which are being designed. And they're getting more and more sophisticated. But one thing still remains. To use them, uh, they stay idle. And to use them, you should, you know, get, initiate something. Initiate the question, press the button. So it's like I always say <laughs> to our developers, I say, can you imagine like your GPC would work like today's applications? And instead of telling you where to make a turn, you should ask this application, can I make a left now? Can I make a left now? Can I make a right now? So it doesn't make any sense, but this is how we're working with today's applications. It stays idle until you will, you know, engage with this application, and you don't know if you should engage, when you should engage, and what should you ask. So I think the availability of this um, uh, machine learning and um, cognitive computer uh, computing should change that. The application should not, st and, and the best application, if you will never touch the computer, but you will get uh, services. That would be the best ideal application when I don't have to know nothing about computers. I don't have to look into display. It just communicates with me and tells me when and how uh, it can help me, you know. So this is the ideal application I can see for the retail environment or for any other environment because... Uh, you, you know, to make it, to reach the front end, to reach unsaturated market, uh, we need to go into something which, uh, which proactively helps with on-demand decision services, not on-demand uh, data services. Thank you, Sergey. I want to move to another topic. We have 11 minutes left to the end of the show, and I think we have time to dive into something that is probably going to give a sigh of relief to brick-and-mortar retailers who are listening now to us live or when they hear the show on demand in a couple of hours. Sergey told me, he said, accessibility to advanced technology, and I'm going to put in parenthetically, by brick-and-mortar retailers, empowers companies of any size, and here's the, the, the key, he says, reduces the advantages of large enterprise organizations. Distributed technolo technological systems promotes advantages to diversified business models and market decentralization. So by coming on board with this advanced tech, retailers are basically leveling the playing field. Is that accurate, Sergey? Please tell us. Absolutely, 100%. It's actually, the, um, I started in my, in my, uh, previous, uh, with my previous topic, this is where I was going into, you know, the technology gives enterprise, enterprise amount of power into the hands of everyone who wants to use it. So the, um, uh, the cost is not an issue anymore. With, um, you know, on-demand economy uh, in which we are now, any retailer, big or small, can get access to the, what used to be unreachable for even small, medium enterprises. So, of course, it will decentralize the market because it will um, reduce the gap between the abilities of big enterprises and the smaller companies. I mean, now, before it was, a while ago it was about the titles, and then it was about uh, money, and now it's going to be about the brains, you know, because before mm -hmm. only money could afford resources to propel into the new categories, you know, but now anybody who has brains, technology is available, and they can, because they have brains, they don't need that much money to, uh, to compete with bigger organizations. 
Very interesting. The money versus the brains. Camila, love to get your thoughts. This is very provocative, Sergey, and I don't think we've had this kind of discussion on Game Changers before. I'm very intrigued. You certainly bring it down to a, a very, very basic common denominator. I actually really appreciate where you're going with this. Camila, love to get your thoughts about the competitive landscape, the playing field, if brick and mortar, who are still only brick and mortar, mainly brick and mortar, will advance their tech capabilities and their, their grasp of tech for a better customer experience. Yeah, I mean, the whole cloud model is predicated on complete, full, free access. Um, the economics, as Sergey was saying, makes it affordable for companies of all sizes. But it's also important for the cloud vendor that they have a critical mass on their platform in order for it to be a viable model for them in the short term. So they're going to also work to sign up additional companies, customers, etc., so the delivery model has totally changed and it rests on uh, similarities and configuration versus the old legacy lengthy customized projects that are much more static in time and proprietary. So what about the brains versus the money? Do you think, is, is Sergey onto something very creative here, Camilla, where he's saying, just for goodness sake, just get smart about this. It's there. It's not going to cost you a fortune. We're probably talking about the economies of scale of cloud today. Camilla, is it as simple as knocking on the door of a brick-and-mortar partner, perhaps, you might know, and you say, hey, this really isn't going to cost you a lot. Just embrace what's out there and you can survive. Is it that simple? Well, I think that, you know, yeah, like like you're saying and Surya is saying, it's, it's available, it's out there. Um, Brick-and-mortar stores in particular, they probably have to work harder and faster. This has to become a strategic imperative for them. Um, they've got to have a more active digital agenda than many others. They've got to focus on attractive and retaining digital talent. And they probably have to take more risks in their overall programs and move faster to implement and allocate resources. So there's actually a uh, great report. I'll just quote that in here. Yeah. Uh, Cracking the Digital Code by McKinsey and Company that talks uh, precisely about this. Very interesting. I like that work. Well, that, this is a reality check. That's what we're trying to do here. Sergey, any thoughts on that? They have to work harder and faster regarding their active digital agenda. And is this breaking news? They, they have to get on board and do it with more gusto, more energy. What do you think, Sergey? I think our dreams should be bigger. You know, the today's technology provides abilities for what used to be somewhere rocket scientists. You know, now the today's technology provides abilities for everyone to be creative, innovative, to become whoever we want to become. And I don't think, I, I think we're just not dreaming big enough right now because our dreams are still, I mean, technology provides so much opportunities right now, so much power, and not to necessarily huge enterprises, but even to the single person. I mean, we can see how these companies, uh, uh, like single people, create companies which are now becoming the huge, right? Like uh, Facebook or Uber, and and, uh, and it's incredible how power of what used to be uh, huge organizations, only huge organizations could do that. Now, power of just few people can compete. We were already there. It's not something that's going to happen. It, it, it's it's here. The Facebook is here, Uber is here. We can see how companies becoming huge, you know, and, and widely popular in a matter of 
years, and soon it's going to be in a matter of months. It just it just amazes me, and I think we should um, dream bigger. We all should dream bigger because we can do much more. I like that. You, you know, you've put a very human face on a topic that we have been focusing on, digital transformation and talking about tech and advancements and analytics, and you've made it very human because when you say dreaming, Sergey, you're talking about people, you're talking about leaders, you're talking about people wanting to keep that flavor, that wonderful part of going into a brick and mortar and not seeing them wiped out by companies with more money and more access and more power. You're saying dream big and level that playing field. Camila, any comments on that? We're actually at our crystal ball predictions round, but I'd just love to get a quick comment from you, Camila, before I ask Survey for his, his prediction. Camila? Yeah, so I will just uh, quote another survey that we just completed, which supports a lot of what we're saying here. Um, we interviewed over 3,000 companies, and we saw that the top 100 companies, and this is, again, all about defining the right strategic objectives, and those can be around dreaming big and innovating. Um, they see, and it comes back to customer experience as the, the key global trend, much more so than those at the bottom of that list. And 92% of them have mature digital transformation strategies in place to improve their customer experience. And they've seen a significant value from digital transformation in their customer satisfaction and engagement. So it's dream big, yes, and put the customer in center and make it a priority, digital transformation. Wonderful. Your surveys are great. I'm glad you have all of this great data right there at your fingertips. I can give you each, I think we've already done our predictions, but let's just formally do it. I'm going to give you each 60 seconds. That's really all we have. Sergey Garloff at Petrosoft, 60 seconds. Let's say we were to meet again around 2020, the three of us, and I hope we meet way before then. What would be significantly different about this topic, retail, digital transformation? 60 seconds. Keep it tight, Sergey. Go. Data will become a commodity. It will be traded. It will be. It will uh, flow freely and securely. And data-centric platforms will be used as a common market exchange and provide access to on-demand services and on-demand um, data enrichment services. Data data will become the new crude oil. It will become the crude oil of 21st century. And guess what? Everybody will be able to own it or create it. Wow, that's powerful. I like that a lot. Camila Dahl and I have 60 seconds. Well, you know what? He was so good. He was so tight. I can give you 90 seconds. Use them well. <laughs> Camila, I'm so generous today. Go ahead, Camila. Predict, please. Yeah, so I will actually say I can't wait to see the innovations that we're going to be talking about in however many years, whenever we meet next. I think they're going to be amazing. Um, I don't think we'll even be able to imagine some of them. But I think what's not going to change is the customer, the focus on the customer, because the companies that are going to be successful in innovating and the ones that are going to be growing, et cetera, are putting the customer first. So that piece of our conversation I don't think will change. I think what will change is the evolution of innovation and, and where we are at that point in time. And I Thank finished you very much. way less than 90 seconds. You <laughs> did. You did. I have a minute and a half to you. So let me see what I'm going to talk about now. Well, I want to say thank you to both of you. Such a pleasure. Uh, Camilla, I'm, it was just lovely to meet you at Sapphire. And I don't know if you're aware, but we did. 33 interviews with 53 people between Tuesday at 11 a.m. and Thursday at 6 p.m. What do you think of that? Think we broke wow. records? 
Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I would <think> say so. <laughs> I think so. We also videotaped them, and, and I was shocked and amazed at some of the videos. Who knew people wanted to watch radio interviews? Some of the videos had over a 1,000 views, a 1,000 hits within a couple of hours after we posted them on Facebook on the SAP Partner Edge channel on Facebook. So it was just, it was quite an experience. Okay. I'm looking forward to it next year. Yes, Camila, pleasure to reacquaint with you, and thank you for visiting us today. Sergey Gorloff at Petrosoft, thank you so much. Sergey. you have some very provocative views, and that's exactly what we're looking for because you are a game changer. So now it's time for – see, I filled the time. <laughs> now it's time for us to <laughs> – close this party up so I'm going to say thank you to Alicia Rudolph who has been tweeting and tweeting and tweeting and SAP Partner Build also thank you so much uh, yes they're they're quoting some of your surveys here Camila and we've had all kinds of interesting people Jeff Thurston has tweeted and mostly Alicia and I've been tweeting if you want to see the tweets the moments we've captured the words of wisdom the wows of my panelists go to hashtag S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O you know what that spells on Twitter and, and retweet we'd love to see that so thank Thank you to Kevin at World Talk Radio. I'll be back tomorrow live at 11 a.m. Eastern here on the Business Channel with a live edition of Coffee Break with Game Changers. Thank you to everybody on the partner team who put this together and Cindy Morell, Pamela Dunn, Rasheen Monahan, and everybody else and Kevin and the Business Channel team. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, and here's my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today, just like Sergey Gorloff at Petrosoft and just like Camila Dolan at SAP. Have a great day, everyone. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Partnerships, Changing the Game for Digital Transformation, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again on Tuesdays on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.